for me, if you keep calm, you keep focused. And I always try to say to the riders that racing is finally really simple if you keep it simple. And the most important things for in all the job and in life for me is to to keep the calmness that you can you really understand what you are doing and you can focus for the right things. Welcome to Last on the Brakes, the MotoGP podcast, giving you all of the best chats, hopefully, with the biggest names in the MotoGP community. Bit of a deeper dive here, some good longer form conversations. I'm from World. With me, as ever, I'll say it in your style, is Matt Dunn. So who, time, uh, who have we got on the show today, then? Um, well, we have Aki Ayo. Uh, Spanish in Spanish his name means here garlic but uh, Aki I one of the absolute stalwarts of the MotoGP paddock and one <laughs> like which I think started with that like I had to put it in it's just day. been in the back of my mind the whole time mainly yeah because of our, our Spanish colleagues but um, Aki a stalwart of the paddock and I think actually we want to get him on because I think he's coming out of being underrated in how big an influence he's had yeah. on the amount of riders in the top class probably not and within in, the paddock but yeah. definitely in the yeah, public yeah, yeah. like exactly. everyone's like oh this guy's like yeah that he guy is, <laughs> he is he is the guy like one of the guys isn't he, he uh, is Akio, and i really think this conversation we've had with him i think was so um in one enlightening but then also just so many lessons, which uh, people often talk about the beauty of racing and the stories in it is it's a bit of a snapshot life at broader society sometimes. Yeah. And the things he describes about his own managerial style are so relatable to other industries far beyond motorcycle racing. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, just in general life, some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially in the social media age, it's easy to kind of get yeah. caught up in not not focusing on yourself in a selfish way, yeah. but to just like lose balance a little bit easier in the world well, today. I, Certainly I did want in to, like the global north. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to say to, to bring up uh, the, the, the comparisons with social media, but with Akiyo, I just sort of thought, no, let's keep it a racing. But I think everyone <laughs> listening, if you really pay attention or listen to it a second time or a third time, uh, you can really pick up some real uh, relatability with uh, all of our lives, with, with social media and, uh, and other outside influences. It's a cracking conversation. But um, with this conversation, we do at the end have quickfire questions as always. As always. And at this point in the podcast, we always throw to you guys for the, with the question of the week. We'll be getting on to some of the answers from uh, last episode's question of the week at the end. But this week's question of the week, want you guys to do some homework for us, please. Do you want to say question of the week anymore? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, give us three quick fire questions that you want us to give to riders do our jobs team managers us, yeah do it no just because I mean, <laughs> you guys have some great suggestions as someone did actually write in the last episode can you please uh, can you please ask this as a quick fire question so we'd love to hear you guys take what, what do you reckon but yeah because we're basically finding out that no one really has any fears and phobias yeah so things like that we're going to freshen it up a little bit but we want to try and keep it democratic so if you do have any ideas let us know this is your show as well as ours <laughs> and how do they let us know <laughs> Uh, in the YouTube comments, I believe the YouTube version of this of this podcast, or tweet us using hashtag MotoGP Podcast. That would be there wonderful. So MotoGP Podcast hashtag Twitter, get it done. Should cool. we crack open the episode? I think we should. Yeah, here we go. As everyone can tell from the title and from the intro, our guest this week is Aki Ayo. Thank you very much for talking to us. So as we were saying, this is kind of to get to know you a little bit better, especially this season. I think there'll be a lot of people who'll want to do that with the incredible <laughs> success in Meta 2 and Meta 3. But first of all, we wanted to start with, how did you get into racing? 
Oui. If I really, really go back when I was young, uh, my father, father was involved in car racing, so he was, he was driving rally in, in early 70s when I was really, really small boy. And uh, that was quite, let's say, as many people know, quite common and normal in Finland. Yeah, it's a bit of a stereotype. Rally. <laughs> yes. rally world. Yes, so he was, he was in rally and uh, some other, also some, some uh, rally sprints and ice racing with the cars. But actually, we didn't have too much bikes in the family when I was young. But I don't know why, but somehow I was really interested about the bikes already in that time when we were traveling to the races, rally races and car races. And sometimes in same races were together also the bikes. And I remember that I was really enthusiastic to see the bikes all the time. So that's how everything started. But then it was quite, take some long, quite long time also that I finally get a chance to get own bikes also. Let's say that I needed to start quite early for the money. My family unfortunately didn't have this, this, this position that they could support me too much when I was really young for this. And uh, I started to make some business with uh, mini bikes or mopeds, let's say, when I was 13, 14 years old. And that's why I started collect, collect the money for my, my own bikes. And then I started wow. to racing when I was 16 years old. Amazing. That's cool. And so where did it go from there? Because I read you did do a bit of racing yourselves, obviously. And then uh, how, did the, how did the managerial side of it be, uh, come about? Sorry, the, ma the managerial side of your career, how did that, how did that get transition from racing to, to becoming a manager? No, I was, I was racing myself in road racing and uh, ice racing uh, until, uh, let's say that I have one quite big injury in road racing. I was always racing mainly in one to five class in road racing and I had 96 quite big injury. And actually this happened in hospital when I was quite during... I was quite many months, I spent a lot of time in hospital after the big injury and uh, somehow I had already family, young family in this moment. So I, I decided that, hey, maybe it's better <laughs> to start to, to try to find some other way to continue my racing career than, than riding. And I never maybe achieve the level what I was looking for. And, and it was also, I have to say, quite difficult to come from Finland that I needed to know needed to do everything, nearly, nearly everything with myself. And uh, yes, I remember it was, it was in this difficult uh, injury moment when I decided to open, open the Ajo Motorsport company. And actually then this happened 96, this injury. Okay. And beginning of the 97, uh, I founded Ajo Motorsport and uh, opened the first teams in ice racing in, in Scandinavia and also in European Championship in wow. road racing. Amazing. Okay, that's cool. So do you think then, although you say you didn't quite get to the level you achieved, obviously you were competing and professionally, do you think that helps you now in your role as a manager, having that perspective from having competed? For sure, all the history helps. And I think also it helps that everything was not so easy and takes quite a long time, let's say, to improve in many areas. So, of course, it was a long, good school for everything. And I would say that already what I mentioned before, that when I was making business with the mopeds to really uh, achieve my dream to get the first motocross bike when I was really young, this was already first part like economic school, let's say, <laughs> which helps me in the future. And uh, of course, the own riding career when I, in that time, many people needed to do most of the things alone or with a small group. And, uh, you know, it was, you need to be your manager, you need to be your physical coach, you need to be your uh, engine tuner and everything. Mm -hmm. This all helps then 
during the years, everything helps and prepared you to then in one moment to, to run the team or let's say to, to start to learn to be a team manager and, and, and all this job. We've, we've spoken to a few managers now and uh, it's, the theme is the same. Uh, they've Pretty much all of them have each done near, nearly every job in the team before they've become a manager. Do you think that's a real recipe for success? Uh, even going forward, a manager who wants to be a manager in 2030, would that still be a, a, a prerequisite? Of course, new generation is different and I'm sure there will come really good team managers, maybe even better ones in the future. But in our age, yes, it was really important for us, if I can say all the guys, that uh, it helps if you have career, riding career, that you understand about riding, you understand a little bit rider's mental part, which is really important in this, in this job and in this business. And of course, all the rest for business, etc., everything. So more you collect information in different working areas, I think it's, it really helps you than in the future. All right. Well, you seem to be a very calm person. There is this Finnish stereotype. Everyone has one and everyone, we always get jokes about stuff like as soon as it rains, even when we're in France, it's British weather. Mm. <laughs> but do you think, is that something that's really important as well in the role to always approach everything with that calm kind of measured approach? I think maybe the nationality that I'm from Finland and we are basically quite calm. Maybe you have not seen my hot moments. I have also hot <laughs> we moments. Ask you I try to, well. <laughs> I try to control, control myself then. But the basic calmness, what maybe the North European people has, everyone has positives and negatives. But this is, this is for sure something which helps. And uh, I believe and at least I hope that we could bring also this in the past and in the future to our riders as well. And uh, for me, if you keep calm, you keep focused and I always try to say to the riders that racing is finally really simple if you keep it simple and the most important things for in all the job and in life for me is to to keep the calmness that you can you really understand what you are doing and you can focus for the right things that, that is uh, that's kind of what we wanted to to move on to and, and talk about how everybody who comes under your IO motorsport umbrella instantly becomes calmer. I'm looking at the likes of Remy Gardner, you know, he's a completely different character, but on the outside at least, um, throughout the seasons. But one thing I do want to ask you about you being calm is, has there ever been a moment that any of the riders underneath your, in your team, has done something where you couldn't understand how they did that, a bad thing? that you couldn't keep calm and you went how did you do this like is, has there ever been a time <laughs> for for sure there has been those moments and uh, even for myself that yeah. i think aki how you did this that you could not uh, keep enough calm so for all of us this happened but as i say this let's say that i would i would like to say that it's not only me it's of course our team uh, structure is maybe a little bit built in this way that Already maybe when we uh, hire the people or look the people for the team, we are maybe looking some characters who fits for our structure and our style to work. And I think the calmness uh, generally is already already coming when we, when we are mm. hiring the new people or, or continue to work with the people, they are learning more and more this style. So it's, it's not only me, but for sure, this is something what uh, I think we need to have in racing but in other hand we also see that sometimes maybe with not we not european people 
we also need to see how, for example, Mediterranean people are reacting for it. Sometimes this that you are sparking or how you say that yes. you get you get quite quickly hot and everything. Yeah, this yeah. helps you also. So it's it's not only one way, but yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the this North European style what we have bring is this calmness. Yes, understand. Okay, that's interesting. So focus and calmness then, and that mixture of everything seems to be a big thing for you. So. We've also seen you talk about riders who are willing to sacrifice stuff to go into their careers. I guess you mean, in that sense, to focus so completely on the job that they're doing. How, how do you see that in a rider and how do you kind of manage that? What is it in the box? Like we've seen, like we said, with Remy this season as well, Raul as well, and Pedro especially, they seem very, very focused how do you see that in a rider choose them bring them in and you know how do you create this incredible kind of recipe this is something i think uh, which already comes quite early for the rider from their uh, okay basic character family atmosphere and everything that someone has more this calmness someone less and uh, i I think that maybe automatically we also, when we are looking to riders, of course, first of all, you need to see the speed and, and basic talent there. But after that, if you if you recognize some interesting riders in the market, let's say, <laughs> you are for sure, you would like to go a little bit more deep and look how is the character there, how is the attitude. And not only about the rider, also the people around him, family, managers, everything is quite important to see to understand also that what kind of, let's say, um, chances you have with, with this rider to improve for the future, if there is something extra positive or if there is something even negative around. And uh, also, I think, to understand, to be prepared, because many times we start to work with many, not, not all of them, but with some of the riders, we started to work already before they are in our team, that if you you know some riders, like for example, Jack Miller, before Jack jumped to our team, I already know him years. And there is many other riders as well that we have been in contact and know already a long time. And then, of course, the step is also easier to start to work when you know. And sometimes even, I don't know, maybe after the signing, then a few months before, you already start to work and try to understand this rider, character and, and uh, people around. So. That's interesting. Remy said that in the Moto2 press conference, I think, in, where were we last? France. He said you'd already been speaking quite a lot last year yes. and that had already had an influence on his form. That's, hmm. yeah. Does, that sounds like, do you, do you I mean, pre-COVID times, pre-bubble times, do you spend a lot of time finding riders who aren't in any of your team's structures? You see them in the paddock and you, and you just chat with them candidly? Quite a lot, yes. I, for me, this has been always really important part and the part what I have been really enthusiastic to work with the riders. Of course, now when I'm, let's say, the leader of the team or leader of the project, then of course you don't have maybe the same time than in the past. But still I try try really to be in part in that, that job as well. And uh, I have to say that I talk during the weeks with many, many riders here <laughs> in the paddock, but also in phone during the, during the week and not only with my my team riders, of course, many of our ex-riders yeah. that we are still in con contact with many of them and with, with most of them and uh, also some other riders who are riding in this paddock. So 
because also I think that I'm thankful of this that it's so many so many let's say friends or, or or people who can you can be in contact here because always also you are learning from everyone mm -hmm. many people ask always that what you teach for this young rider but for sure we try to teach something but in other hand we also has chance to learn from everyone yeah and I think it's important to be humble and feet on the ground because you can learn from every relationship absolutely that's that, interesting um, I was just going to interject sorry because actually that that does read into that links to something we well, I also read about before coming into this interview you mentioned someone asked you like what did Mark Mark what did you teach Mark Marquez I guess that's something which everybody wants to know mm. um, but you actually responded like no it's about what he taught me but one of the <laughs> only specific things I taught him was saying uh, I think I'll, I'll find the quote actually um, you taught him that even men should cry when a man wants to cry. Mm. That I found that was super interesting because, like, a lot of what you say about sacrificing everything, remaining calm, it almost gives a kind of warrior uh, kind of attitude. How does how do you balance that then? That vulnerability with that warrior attitude. Mm. For me, the the road racing in high level is one of the most challenging sport in the world for sure, and many people for sure agree. And uh, then for kind of really challenging and stressful sport, I think you really need to control your emotions. And for sure, some part of controlling is that also when you have a difficult moment that you leave, let's say, Release. the bad feelings yeah. Yeah. outside. Just let it out. You let it, let, let, it, it let it out. And, and I, I think that was just example about one conversation what we had with yeah, yeah, Mark yeah, in yeah, the I'm past sure. that, hey, if you if you feel that you need to cry, please cry and, and, and do it well. Yeah. And this, this will, this <laughs> will help great, you great. also. And then it's maybe easier. You are more free and just one, one small example. Yeah. But this is so emotional sport that you really need to learn all the ways which can help you to control your emotions. Because there on the track in long races and uh, hard battles, who can, who can really keep the focus and control his emotions and control control everything he, he will be strong Amazing. so do you think there's more strength to be found in controlling your own emotions and balancing your own kind of mental attitude compared to trying to play mind games with someone else because we've always seen different approaches to this in lots of different sports but especially here as well that's good point also i i have said many times that at least my attitude and style has been that I feel, and what I try to teach then to maybe to others also, maybe maybe too much sometimes, but I feel that it's always better focus for your own work. And when I see that, for example, if rider is focusing too much what other people are doing and, and uh, keep focused there in the things what others are doing, then I feel that it, you miss something. Then, then, then you miss this time at least mm. and this focus for the job where you really need to focus so always it's important to keep it simple and focus for the working areas what you really need to touch why to disturb yourself mentally with the things what you cannot touch yeah that's what i always try to talk with the riders that we just have to focus for the points what what we can change and what we can improve and then keep it simple. I feel a, a real life version of what you're talking about there is sometimes what we see in Moto3 where everybody's looking for a toe. And I know that <laughs> having read so many interviews yeah. and articles, you, you try and say to the riders, but do your own laps, do your own laps, because that's what's important moving up. Is that right? Uh, that's right. For sure, we try to teach basically riders in Moto3. And what, what, for example, I have seen 
for example, Jaume Masia, one of our riders that I have, I have seen that he has been a little bit unlucky beginning of the year, but yeah. he's already a really strong rider, he's fast. But uh, what I have seen positive thing during this year when he has been in our team, that he, re he really focuses in the practices for his own work. And for me, it's important. But on the other hand, Moto3 is very difficult formula. This is, those are small bikes and uh, not so much power. So slipstream plays really big role also, for example, here in Mugello, especially. And uh, you cannot just push the rider in every moment to work alone <laughs> if yeah. you can see that by slipstream you can improve your lap time 1.5 yeah, yeah. seconds. Yeah. But mainly yes, mainly yes it's important to focus for your own work all the time and of course especially on the track. Well one person we've got to talk about more specifically obviously there you're saying about Jauma who yeah has had some really bad luck this season so far. Someone who's had some good luck and kind of taken the paddock by storm is uh, Pedro Acosta. Obviously, he was a really dominant force in the rookies last year, and he was runner-up the year before that as well, I think, and had some injury struggles. So he got really good record coming into here and in the CV. But did you expect this? Let's say generally about our team this year, I was, I was feeling and we were feeling already end of last year when the season was done and we, we see our new structure for 21 season that we have something special in our hands. But, but uh, maybe we didn't expect start what we have had so far this year. <laughs> yes, and, and especially Pedro also, we didn't expect that he will win many races in the beginning of the season, for sure not. <laughs> and uh, this really for sure surprised everyone. But for me, it's first of all, <laughs> really nice to follow kind of talent. And of course, there is something special if you can do some, something like this. But uh, many people always ask me to compare riders to some, uh, compare maybe new talent to some, some, someone else who has been in similar situation in the past and is now in MotoGP. But it's always difficult to, to compare the riders. And also what I would like to say that uh, now, most of the rookies are maybe even more prepared than in the past. That of course, this is something about the, the culture in the, in the strong countries of road racing, which has changed a lot. And the championships are really tough and uh, families and uh, people around the riders, they start mm -hmm. earlier and earlier, really focus and let's say in professional way to educate and, and develop the riders. So yeah. now we can really see that sometimes even they are rookies when they come here, they are quite prepared in the, yeah. in the championships, uh, in, let's say in junior world championships and other championships. What you uh, said earlier about sometimes speaking to riders in the paddock, I, I was going to ask you anyways, what would you say to perhaps one of the other Moto3 rookies this year who's looking at Pedro and thinking, oh my God, <laughs> how is he doing that? I'm, <laughs> I'm a year older than him, I'm the same age and I'm nowhere near. How can I ever be this good? They're questioning themselves because they're watching what someone else does. What would you say to them, or have you had any conversations with them about how to deal with that? Sorry, I Is it, how, what conversations would you have with another Moto Three rookie mm. who's looking at Pedro, going, "He's amazing, mm. I'm not that good." How would you? Because no rider's the same. So, what would you say to them? As I said, it's always difficult to compare, and uh, I think it's not, not also many times fair to compare because uh, people have different background and uh, mm. also I think those other rookies should understand that uh, 
maybe they have different background and also things are not happening for all the people in same speed. Like we see in many sports that someone is really good when he's young, another one who is not so good yet maybe could pass him in yeah. the future. So always same thing, focus for your own work. Of course you try to analyze what happened around, but yeah. not to be jealous or not to get frustrated, just for learning that if you can bring something for your own work and test if it works for you and make you better, okay, why not? But it's better keep focus for the own work and of course the trust mm. for the work. It Think seems <laughs> to me that your whole philosophy is almost efficiency <laughs> for yourself. So if it's efficient to let your emotions out and get rid of it, cry or rage for a few minutes and then it's gone, then do that if it helps you. If it doesn't, then don't. And everything is just about that. <laughs> is that too philosophical? <laughs> I was just thinking, it's it's quite nice though to encapsulate it yeah. in basically just ignore everyone else. Everything that you need to do to make yourself faster, better, anything, that's the only focus. I don't know if it's only focus, but uh, let's say that it's maybe more the, the way to try to calm the rider and to make him trust to himself. Because I see many times, this is really really hard and, and a tough world here and of course riders are quite pressurized for many things. This is not the safest uh, sport all the time, there is some risk and uh, also the pressure to stay here in the championship, to have a good seat let's say for the, for mm. the next season and for the future. The pressure is always really high and uh, I think one important part of the team also is to to keep the pressure under control that rider can do his job and focus for his job. Okay, I repeat always the focus and calmness, but those things are so important. And if we can find the ways to keep a little bit pressure out, it's easier than keep the focus and, mm. uh, and, and calmness during your work. I would like to, in that note then, ask you about, you spoke a bit about Jammer earlier. How his, without, because I'm aware that obviously we're still in this season and he could well watch this, but I'm really interested to know how he's coping from your perspective with how, what good fortune the other side of the garage with Pedro is having, yet he's not had that fortune. How are you managing that situation with him to convince you? Because you have brought him in to be your title contender. For sure, it's always uh, when you're, if you're, uh, teammate is uh, strong or surprisingly strong of course this makes you thinking that what happened but mm. but in other hand I think always need to find positive points and uh, if in team is too if there is two fast riders and if the relationship like we always try to keep in our team that in two riders team we are like a one family and everyone help each other I think there is so much positive things what you can get out from yeah. this situation that your teammate is fast. So you cannot frustrate and lose this opportunity to get those positive points out just for this that you are negative or jealous or something like this. And this is also one important point what we try to teach our young riders especially. Yeah. Of, of course it's easier in Moto3 and even in Moto2 and in Moto GP, when riders are more experienced and uh, 
whatever. But but uh, maybe young riders are sometimes, uh, let's say, has a little bit more respect for the team than, than older riders. <laughs> I don't say that they don't have a respect, but maybe it's easier for deeds yes. to young young boys than the, than the older guys. But uh, for me, it's also one part of the education, you know, one one step of the education to teach for the riders to get positive out and really understand that this is the team sport. This is, I many times say that road racing is really team sport that alone you cannot make really big things here. You, you need a great team around you. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's cool. So going back to then, before we start getting onto our quick fire questions, just wanted to ask you, who or what are some of the most important things that you think you've learned from some of the riders that have come through your teams who are now in MotoGP? Because you've got a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's actually amazing. I don't know how you watch the race. Like, who are you, who are you like, thinking, like, yeah, oh, no. Who are you oh, cheering oh, for? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I think me and whole, our whole team, we are so thankful that we can, we can work with so many different talents. And this is something which, which really makes your, you to enjoy your job. But... Uh, I would say generally that what I have at least learned that every character is different. I remember that when I was, let's say, beginning of my team manager career, I, I tried to help all the riders in the same way. It was my way, Aki Ajo way, what I have learned when I was rider, beginning what I learned to be as a team manager. But when I get older and see also that different generations are coming, because let's say young 15 20 years old guys they are quite different now that then they were 20 30 years ago. social yeah. media <laughs> uh, yeah. also yes <laughs> and uh, it also means that we have to learn different ways and we have to develop ourselves and, and improve year by year and this is something i don't know if i have learned well still maybe i'm too much like old-fashioned guy but uh, at least i try and i have seen that somehow we also improve in that that we we first try a little bit to analyze the character and then decide let's say more detailly what areas need to be let's say developed and improve in in this case and uh, trying to understand the character more that's interesting because you do have four very different characters mm. in motor two and motor three now so i can imagine yeah like it's a different conversation on sunday morning with jalma and remy for example <laughs> but again the great great chance to learn more when mm. when you compare those guys <laughs> I, I find that um particularly just thinking about someone like Rao, the way Rao conducts himself around the paddock just on his scooter just casually he still has the demeanor and the personality of a, of a moto 3 rookie yeah. coming in here he's not changed yet this kid i mean the rumors are that he could be a moto gp next year i mean is that something that you've still drilled into him or is that natural i think it's coming from the character but of course maybe maybe people around family whoever is working with the rider team mm. as well <coughs> you you can you can try let's say and some some riders are maybe more some, some are so strong maybe in mind that they just follow their way and sometimes, sometimes they are listening maybe more. But uh, this is something if riders can keep this normality as long as possible, I think this is something as, uh, that uh, it really helps you. Because I see that it's so easy also to get confused. This is quite popular sport and yeah. quite quite popular thing where we are. and. Uh, it's easy to get blind. 
Yeah. And uh, when people, especially in the good moment when you are doing well and everyone is talking about you, about the rider, uh, it's easy to get a little bit lost. And I think then if you have the feet on the ground, experienced people in this business around you for sure, it helps you and at least is better chance that uh, yeah. you keep the, keep the right direction. And, but still, I have to say there is many riders who who maybe never get proud or, or never get blind for this. I would like to mention, I, for example, one, one example, Jack Miller. I have I worked with Jack say, many, Jack, many years and uh, Jack is still this uh, normal young boy, what he has <laughs> been also in the past when, yeah. he, when he traveled from Australia to Europe. Brilliant. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. This, I'll tell you what, it's been such an enlightening conversation. I feel so many things you've said relate to uh, normal businesses and normal managers in, in, in all other industries. So it's really mm. fascinating. Uh, before we let you go, we do have five quick fire questions we need to ask quick you. Quick fire round. Um, so Fran, if, if you would can like to start with Can we remember them? I'm still on page one. Oh, Hang so on. you can flip Hang over. Hang on, let me flip over. They're the same for everybody. And we want to compare the answers, but this, some of the answers so far, have been so similar. the only person who's really gone properly thinking about it i think is franco morbidelli yeah, yeah. so you've only got one <laughs> competition but i'll let you start you want, okay so they're just easy quick things where is your favorite place in the world home Perfect. everyone which said is, that in the panic yeah, yeah. Which, theme, which by the way it? is finland isn't it that's where you live now yeah. perfect uh what was your what is your favorite dessert I like too much chocolate. Oh, really? Yes, too much. <laughs> Good question. At least this is something. Is that from your time in Belgium? <laughs> <laughs> the Finnish chocolate is the best. Is it? Yes, yes. That's my You've opinion. Oh, well, I'm even more gutted <laughs> we're not going there this year then. Um, do you have any phobias or fears? Or superstitions, maybe? No, I don't, I don't think so too much. When Maybe when I was younger, yes. Also, I was rider, so I have those things what I have to do before I jump on the bike and those things. But... Not maybe too much anymore. I don't think so. Maybe the, but the age helps <laughs> for that. You, see, you keep saying you're old and you yeah. age birth. You're a young man. I feel, I feel that though. Yeah. Right now, I'm like, wow. The things you do, even when you're like in your early twenties and you think you're like 50 years old, <laughs> and then looking back already, I'm like, wow. I'm, I did I'm not still, know. I'm still terrified of spiders. I'm between so. 50 and 100, so I'm a little bit older. <laughs> okay. Um, so last question then. You can have dinner with three people, dead or alive. Who are they? Oh, so <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> you know, I'm from Finland, so they always think that I'm a little bit strange because I, I would like even to eat alone. But, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, uh, oh yeah, this is difficult to say, but I would say generally that uh, I like a lot to read the books about the life stories. And, yeah. and uh, for me, doesn't matter if it's the normal people on the street, always the life story is interesting. And uh -huh. I would like to always learn from other people what they have done. And uh, it's interesting to hear each life story of the, wow. of the people. So, so I, I'm, I'm quite sure that I, I will enjoy listen anyone who has something to tell about <laughs> his life that is awesome what a great answer I actually that's a that. good, yeah. yeah brilliant good cool. stuff Aki wow. thank you so much thank you really yes, appreciate thank it you. well I hope you guys enjoyed that and found it as enjoyable and as enlightening enlightening I should say as we did uh, Aki I there I mean thank goodness was also he gave us a full half an hour of his time amazing what a guy and, and I hope you also those of you watching this have enjoyed the view I mean 
Oh my goodness me. I think, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, it's not so, so bad behind us. So yeah, Sorry, nice. sorry, you know. Yeah. Just look at the scenery. Look it's at the it's scenery. absolutely lovely. So no, that, I hope you guys really enjoy that. My, my key takeaway from that episode was uh, actually the surprise in hearing that Aki spends his time chatting to other riders who aren't under the Aki Aya motorsport umbrella. I think that I, I I don't know whether that's I wanted to ask him whether that's altruistic He's out there or if like there a is talent shark. Yeah, yeah well, all maybe, the time is that it? But no. also I gather from speaking to him, he, it's more there's more altruistic. He just wants to see all the riders succeed, doesn't he? I think it's an interesting one as well because when you do have such a reputation for success in a certain area, which with him is definitely management, not in terms of contracts, but in terms of how he's able to just get the best out of so many different riders that we've seen over the last few years that it must be like as soon as you've got his phone number it's like well i just i could just do with just asking him oh, yeah, yeah. If I just uh, and why not maybe the phone's just constantly ringing but um, no it's really nice and it's an interesting one i think like we said at the top of the show thinking about it in a broader context of our own lives but also just yeah to get a bit of a glimpse behind the curtain and it's not the sort of i don't know i think it's a much more rounded atmosphere in the team that when you see the brutality of Pedro Acosta on track sometimes or just Moto3 in general and Moto3 in general there's also real normal human beings behind that in the garage thinking about all of these different things putting it all together to enable that to happen yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and I tell you what the the other biggest takeaway is like I mean well it was sort of barbed and uh, and prompted in our questioning but the, uh, the notion of the calmest riders tend to do the best and remain the most focused is such a interesting topic, especially, you know, when we always talk about things like psychology behind racing. I thought that was just a really good, a good uh, cool. topic to listen to. Um, before we finish off, though, we do have some comments from the last episode with Frank Hit and Morbidelli to, to discuss. Um, so I really appreciate you guys getting in touch. Please, as we said at the beginning, hashtag MotoGP Podcast on Twitter or type it in the comments below the YouTube version of this podcast. Thank you very much. Um, so first of all, Luke Miller says, because the question of the week last time was, do you perform best when you yes. when you have everything in place or perform best under pressure? Uh, I agree with Franco. I work best when, I, uh, when I'm the favourite. It means I have high expectations of myself, though, which is fine. Fair enough. Doesn't have to, doesn't have to be arrogant. That's a, a confidence thing, isn't it? And so, yeah, that's good cool. on him. I think that makes sense. Um, and then Keith Soon said, I prefer when everything is prepared and laid out and organised. This rarely happens in my in my work life, but in my personal life, once every, um, once everything is in place, organised, it all becomes easier. I've, and I've always been the underdog. So it sounds like he's got a bit of Frank and Morbidelli in him. Okay, um, that's so no, that's that, Yeah, that, especially when you contrast that with things that we talk, spoke about. You yeah, know? I think I'm getting more like that, though. Like When you're more When prepared. I was a teenager and like my mum in the evening would like set out the exact outfit she was going to put on to go to work the next morning and yeah. like take me to school. I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, now, such a waste of time. Now, literally, yeah. got to our hotel last night. Every single thing that I need to be in my bag before I go to sleep is in my bag to bring yeah, today. Right, yeah. Every single item of clothing that I'm going to put on is on the chair. And it's even from, like, head to toe order on the chair. Yeah, well, I use and the I'm spare like, bed for that. It's laid out on my clothes. <laughs> it's so, yeah. like, oh, I've actually become that. But it's also can be so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So we're with you, Keith. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Trickster has written in saying, stop hitting the table. I think we didn't actually hit the table much in this. We but didn't. <laughs> but we've been given microphones on us. Yeah, but also sure that, that was one thing that our dearest cameramen told us before that last episode. We mostly remembered it. Unfortunately, we hadn't passed that on to Franco. 
Uh, oh, did he? I think he he was a bit of a repeat offender a couple of times. So apologies <laughs> for that. I know it must be a bit of a percussive nightmare. Yeah. Um, and Admir, yes, your your words have been listened to. That's why the question of the week this week is: please give us some quickfire questions. He said. Well, she said, uh, would be great if Quickfire was the reason behind choosing your number. Well, actually, on the note of that, there is actually a whole series on MotoGP's Instagram page called Cup of With. I did that myself last year. And it's literally about 30 Quickfire questions per rider. And I think quite a lot of them really asked that as well. So, hashtag self You don't actually see me in it. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just my annoying voice. But then again, if you think my voice is annoying, this podcast ain't much use for you, is it? <laughs> um, and the last one, Chilini D. I just wanted to put this in. This oh, is no. a selfish one. Um, that new VR46 rider, Matto. Danilo interviewing veteran academy rider is cool not seen him on track yet though uh, I guess he means I should get a haircut you don't want to see him on track no honestly. you don't that would be an absolute disaster especially here at Magello with that <laughs> on. Uh, but please uh, as I mentioned hashtag podcast. leave your comments below and we'd love to read them out next show I'm going to give them to you next time you, you can read them out and I'll, I'll, I'll I'm ready I'm ready it. so yeah thanks for joining us let us know and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it we will see you next time from doubtlessly some quite different weather in mm -hmm. Catalonia. See you soon.